if you've come with your Bibles, hopefully you have in some form, you might like to take them out at this point. We're going to be heading to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 today. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And let me just uh, mention Catherine, one of our pastors here who completed the race last Sunday afternoon. Round of applause. 23.6 kilometers up and down Mount Majura, up and down Mount Ainsley. She pushed on through severe cramping and made it to the finish. I just thought that was an amazing achievement. And uh, yeah, well, I was, I was thinking it sounds a bit like life, isn't it? You just push, push on. There's times when you feel like you can't keep going, but you keep pressing on. It's good. So well done for that. I think her legs are starting to feel normal again after, after that epic race. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for all that you've been doing in our midst already this morning. Lord, thank you for just uh, your presence here, Lord God. And just what a joy and a privilege it is to be in your presence, to be in your house today, Lord God. And how good and fitting it is for us to worship you, to sing your praise, Lord, but what a joy it is as well to open up your word, Lord God. Thank you that you always are speaking, and Lord, would you give us ears to hear what you're saying today, I pray. Let this be a word that penetrates our hearts, Lord God, and stirs our hearts afresh, God, to hunger after you and your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I went along last uh, Wednesday, about uh, Wednesday a week ago to a, a prayer breakfast. It was a, some pastors and leaders from around Canberra. Uh, we gathered to pray and share. And there was a guest speaker there who's from a church uh, up at Jarvis Bay. And uh, he was sharing on prayer, interestingly enough. And their church, they have six mornings a week prayer meetings from 5.30 till 7 a.m. 5.30 till 7. Who said, who'd be up for that? A few of us, okay, that's more than I thought. Great, well, we might, I'll have a chat with Andrew this week when he's back in the office, and we'll see what we can organize and uh, get you to put your money where your mouth is if you're, if you're keen for that. Now, Andrew, of course, is back in the office this week. Him and Ali and the girls have been on holidays the last few weeks, so it'll be great to have him back this week. I want to share today on the power of God's Word. The power of God's Word. And last time, a couple of weeks back, I, I, I shared on the power of prayer. And a few weeks prior to that, I preached on the power of praise. So I guess it's somewhat of a mini-series. Power of praise, power of prayer, power of God's Word. And really, I, I, I wanted to, to kind of uh, bring it together this morning. And really, it's something that I feel like the Lord has been stirring in my own heart. And what I felt Him put on my heart to, to preach in those three messages, um, is, is that he is highlighting those things as something important and significant for us as the people of God in this season. And so really, what I feel like has been on the Lord's heart and my own desire and heart and aim in sharing these messages has been to stir our hearts afresh in some way to be a people of praise, to be a people of prayer, to be a people of the Word of God. And you know, these three things... 
as we live out our lives of faith, these three things, I believe, are central to our Christian walk. I believe that they are vital for growth and maturity. They are vital to becoming more like Jesus. They are so important for us in not being thrown off course. And they are so important for us in terms of walking in victory and not allowing the enemy or thwarting the efforts of the enemy to come against us. And you know, sometimes these things, praise and prayer and the word, they can be easy for us, can't they? They can be, it can be just a flow and a grace upon it. It's easy just to praise and to seek the Lord in prayer and to open up his word. At other times, it's not so easy. It can be a bit more of a discipline, a little bit more of tough chewing. But as these three things are so important and vital in our lives, so the absence of them in our lives will leave a void, will leave us vulnerable. So let me encourage us this morning, let us not be a people who do not praise. Let's find a way. And time and time again, we read in the Psalms, the psalmists say, Oh, my soul, praise the Lord. He's, they're speaking to their souls. Come on, come on, praise the Lord. Let us be a people who find a way to praise. Let us not be a people who are prayerless, but who really come before the Lord and seek Him in prayer. And let us not be a people who do not know and read and feed on and live by the Word of God. Because there's too much at stake to neglect those things, as we will soon see here in the passage. 2 Timothy 3, we're going to be focusing around verse 14. But let me just give a little bit of background uh, just to kind of paint the picture where we're heading this morning. We'll go from verse 1, actually, of 2 Timothy 3. It says, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Is anybody feeling encouraged yet this morning? It's rather a bleak picture, isn't it? Let's read on. Verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Anybody encouraged yet? It's a bleak picture that, that the Apostle Paul is painting here, isn't it? I'm sure you'll agree. But then he goes on to say, here it is, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So what do we have here? We have Paul instructing Timothy, who was a young man charged with overseeing churches. 
And he's painting this picture. He's encouraging him. Be steadfast. Be strong. Stay true to the call of God in your life. As he's written about throughout 1 and 2 Timothy. But here he's saying, look, Timothy, there are dark days ahead. There are times of difficulty ahead. There's bad stuff happening. There's deception. There's all sorts of things. But in the midst of that, what does he do? He points him towards Scripture. He says, as for you, continue in what you've learned. Remember the Holy Scriptures. Because all Scripture is God-breathed. He points him towards the Word of God. And there's this key phrase in there in verse 14. It says, but as for you. But as for you. You know, in the day that we live, there's all sorts of evil around us. There's all sorts of darkness. There are things happening. There are circumstances that give us every reason to become discouraged or disappointed or thrown off course. There are lies and deception. There are opinions. How many of you know there's so many opinions out there? Opinions, all sorts of things. But you know, we are not called to get caught up in that. As for you, you continue in what you have learned and firmly believed and know to be true. I feel like there's this element of personal responsibility here. Don't worry about what others may be doing and saying. Don't worry about the noise of what's held up as good and true and right by the world. Don't worry about trying to be popular. All those things, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have believed and know to be true. You know, we must not allow society, social media, false teaching, our feelings, the opinions of others to distort or crowd out or diminish in any way God's eternal truth found in His Word. Let me encourage us this morning to continue to build upon the firm foundation of the Word of God. And so to personalize it for us today, as for you, as for you, as for you, as all the other sections I didn't point to, as for all of us, as for you, are you continuing in what you have learned and firmly believed? As for you this morning, are you continuing to build on the sure and firm foundation of God's Word? Because when we're talking about the power of God's Word this morning, there are a few things that we must remember and a few things I want to bring out of this passage today. First of all, we must remember that His Word is a firm foundation. I don't know about you, but I've always been fascinated by construction and building. You know, you walk past a building, an apartment block that's being built or something like that, and you see the site being cleared, you see the foundations going in, and then all of a sudden, you know, this building just kind of comes seemingly from nowhere if you, if you don't see it each and every day. You know, some of those buildings you see around the world, the, the modern uh, construction masterpieces. You know, in Dubai, there's buildings hundreds of meters tall. You think, how on earth do they do that? How on earth does that happen? Well, of course, every building, if, it want, if it's going to last, needs a good foundation, doesn't it? A building with a good foundation will stand the test of time. And a faith with a good foundation will stand the test of time. Building our lives upon His Word is so vital for us. It's not just reading it to somehow gain, gain knowledge, remember some memory verses. It's not just hearing it and then forgetting about it. But building our lives upon His Word, we allow it to actually shape us. We allow it to shape our character and how we live. You know, we're called to be doers of the Word, 
not just hearers of it, but to hear and to act and do what the Word is saying. So Paul is pointing Timothy to Scripture. It's solid. It keeps us grounded. And you know, the foundation must be right, whether it's building or whether it's our faith. But it also must be built on. I think that's what he's saying. As for you, continue on the firm foundation, but continue to build on that firm foundation and what you've learned and firmly believed. Have we got any builders in our midst this morning? No builders. Okay, one here. Yep, that's all right. That's fine. But I've got to build some builders in my family. But a builder, you watch when they are building a building or a house or whatever. They go to the effort of clearing the site. They go to the effort of excavating, of laying the footings, of finishing the foundation. But a builder doesn't just sit back and admire the foundation. Wow, what an amazing foundation I've built. My job's done. Fantastic. No, he doesn't just sit back and do that. He is to build on the foundation, isn't he? He's to continue to build on that foundation so that the house, so that the apartment block, so that the building, whatever it is, is built and finished for its purpose. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 to 27, he says that everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like the man who builds his house upon the rock. The firm foundation. The rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Why? Because it was built upon the rock. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them is like a man who builds his house upon the sand. The rain falls, the wind blows, the floods come, the wind blows and beats against that house. What happens? comes crashing down because it's built on a dodgy foundation upon the sand. The same wind, the same waves, the same storm that beat against both houses, but it was the one founded upon the solid rock, upon the firm foundation that stood the test of time. <clears throat> you know, there will be times in your life, you may be in the midst of a season right now, where the wind and the waves and the storm are blowing and beating against you. In those times, we need the firm foundation of God's Word to be able to grab hold of those promises, to be able to remind ourselves of His faithfulness. Please excuse me. <coughs> Voice has been struggling all week. Someone said earlier it might be a very short sermon. We'll see. Hopefully the voice will hold up. <clears throat> to remind us of his faithfulness. You know, in those times when the storms have come, when we're in the midst of those difficulties, those seasons of life where it's like, Lord, where are you? As we build our lives upon the firm foundation of his word, we open it up and it's like, yes, I'm reminded that, yes, he is the one who is faithful. Yes, you are the one who provides for me, Lord. Yes, you are the one who delivers. Yes, you are the one who is with me. That's when we need that firm foundation in those times when the storms arise. We know how to live through the Word of God. I can remember going when I was a lot younger to Questacon. I'm sure many of you have been there, one of the icons of the city, we could say, perhaps. 
But I remember back then, and I know they've updated it a little bit now, but they had the, the earthquake floor. You remember that? The earthquake simulation. And you stand on this kind of square thing, and you punch in what sort of degree of earthquake you want, and then it starts shaking. You know, when the ground gets shaky, what happens? The first thing that instinctively you want to do is reach out and grab something firm. Reach out and grab something that you know you're not going to fall. And I think there's something in that for us, that in life, when things start to get a little bit shaky, when things start to get a little bit uncertain, when things just start to get a little bit, oh, we need something firm to grab onto and hold onto and build upon. And that's the Word of God in our lives. Through the storm, through the trials, he is faithful. And his word remains a firm foundation. So his word is a firm and sure foundation. Second thing I, I believe we need to remember this morning when thinking about the power of God's word is that his word is alive. His word is alive. It says that all scripture is breathed out by God. Is breathed out by God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You know, as we read His Word, we need the touch and the leading of the Spirit as we read the Word of God to bring it to life, to illuminate, illuminate sorry, what we are reading so that it comes alive in our hearts. The Holy Spirit desires to bring that touch. You know, many people say that the Bible is no longer relevant for today's culture and today's society. It's just archaic, it's just an old book of stories or whatever. Well, let me tell you this morning, it is so relevant today. It is so relevant. It's perhaps needed now more than ever, especially in light of the first part of chapter 3 that we've read this morning. The difficulties that have come, the darkness, all the things, all the stuff that's happening. So relevant. Psalm 119, his word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. In the midst of the darkness, we need his word to lead us and bring light and truth. In Hebrews 4 verse 12, it says, The word of God is living and active. Living and active. God breathed, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It penetrates. It searches our heart. We can read it and just kind of gloss over it. But if we read it and allow the Holy Spirit to come, it'll come alive. And it'll penetrate our hearts. It'll penetrate our motivations, our desires, those things that perhaps we've just excused or just, you know, kind of glossed over. His word is alive. It's meant to penetrate our hearts. <coughs> it's alive and it speaks to our hearts today. Hello, Bill and Sue, by the way. Welcome to you, visiting. Great to see you. Have you ever had that experience where you're reading the Scriptures, where you're reading God's Word, and all of a sudden it's like the words are jumping off the page, comes alive in your heart? Anybody else had that? It's like you're seeking direction about something, and all of a sudden the Lord leads you to a verse, and it's like, wow. Or you're just in a place of despair, or you just need comfort, or whatever it is, and you open up God's Word, and it's like, that verse was written just for you. Isn't that amazing how God does that? It's, it's who He is. It's the power of His Spirit operating in our lives, bringing His Word to life. And we need the touch of the Spirit in our lives, as we've talked about already this morning, but particularly as we read His Word. I can remember a time in my own life when I was 12 years old. 
And uh, it was a time when my grandfather had, had passed away suddenly and unexpectedly. And obviously, as a young boy, it was something that had impacted me deeply. I was upset, devastated, but there was also other stuff going on. And it was just a time of fear and turmoil and just, just unsettledness, really, being afraid. And I can remember lying there. I still remember it as if it happened yesterday. I was lying on a mattress in our study at home because my grandmother had come to live with us for a little while just while things were getting sorted out. I was lying there just in this place of fear and turmoil and worry. I just feel like the Lord spoke to me. I know he spoke to me. It was as clear as, as, clear as I've ever heard him speak. He said, read Psalm 121. Psalm 121. I didn't know what it said at that point. I turned in my Bible to Psalm 121. And you don't have to turn there. But it was just an amazing encounter with the Lord and His living, active Word in my life. It says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the one who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber nor sleep. Indeed, he who watches over Israel, oh, he's brought it up, there you go. The Lord is your keeper, he's your shade at your right hand. He will watch over you, he will keep you from harm. All these promises from God's word that resonated in my heart. And I can tell you what, it just brought such a sense of peace, such a sense of assurance that God saw me, that he knew me, that he knew what I was going through, and he brought his living an active word to bear in my own heart and life. I read that, that psalm every night for the next years and years, all throughout my teenage years. And I tell you what, it, it was something that was such an encouragement to me. And in those times of uncertainty, further on from that point, in those times where you feel fearful, or where you feel afraid, or where you feel unsure about something, when the enemy seeks to bring lies, saying, hey, hey, you don't know what you're doing or, or how's that going to pan out for you? It's like, no, my help comes from the Lord. He's, he's going to watch over me. He will keep me from harm. It was like the promises of God went deep into my heart and were a weapon, I guess, against the work of the enemy. And we're meant to have his word as a vital weapon in our armor. In Ephesians 6, the passage, that wonderful passage about the armor of God, talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's the only offensive weapon, if you like, that we're giving. Everything else is, is protective, is defensive, but the Word of God is offensive. We need to know how to use and wield the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. And so for me as a 12-year-old, and from then really, where there was fear, where there was worry, where there was uncertainty, I was able to use that sword of the Spirit to say, no, my help comes from the Lord. He's going to watch over me. He will care for me and keep me from harm. And I believe there may be some of us here this morning. You're in a place where you're like, a place of uncertainty perhaps, a place where you need assurance, a place where you need direction even, a place where you need fresh hope, whatever it might be. I believe that the Lord is wanting to, to release his word to you this morning. Whether it's from here, you, he might be putting a word on your heart now. Whether it's as you go from here and you open up his word and allow him to speak, I believe he's wanting to do that same thing because his word is living and active. 
It's God breathed. He's breathed it out. He's inspired it. And we need the power of his word in our life. You know, Jesus, in Matthew 4, when he's tempted in the wilderness, he'd been in the wilderness 40 days, 40 nights. He hadn't had anything to eat. He's a little hungry, I'm sure. And the tempter comes and says, three times he tempts him. And his strategy is the same every time. Questions his identity, gets him to doubt God's goodness and all that sort of thing. Brings his lies. You know, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. There's that temptation there. And what does he do the three times that the enemy comes to bring temptation, to bring his lies, to try and, you know, get him to question or throw him off course? He refutes those lies with the word of God. He says, it is written. It is written. Therefore, that's it. That settles it. It is written. Get away from me, Satan. We've talked recently about how praise is a powerful weapon, declaring who God is, how prayer is a powerful weapon as we pray and seek God to bring breakthrough. But you know, the Word of God is a powerful weapon as well. When the enemy brings lies, when the world perhaps may paint a particular picture of, or tell us who we are or what we're not, as we open up His Word, we remember who He is, most importantly, and we remember who He says we are. His word is alive. Lord, let your word come alive for us today, I pray. His word is a firm foundation. It's alive. But his word is our standard. His word is our standard. A little while ago in, in our, at our house in our front yard, we were remodeling our front yard, putting some turf in and all that kind of thing, ripping out a whole lot of bushes and shrubs and I needed to build a retaining wall to just raise up the level of soil so we could lay turf. And I really enjoyed building this retaining wall, but there's a lot of work that goes into doing it well. I dug all the holes, prepared the foundations, got all the supplies that I needed, but then had the string line, you know. I wanted it to be straight. I wanted it to be sturdy. I wanted it to, you know, withstand a storm or a flood or anything like that. Hopefully nothing like that will happen. But I wanted it to be built right. I was very careful to make sure the string line was, was plumb and was level. When you're building something, you need it to be straight and level. If your string line, if your measurement, if your standard is crooked, well, what happens? Everything you build from there will be crooked. If our standard is wrong in life, what we build will be crooked. But thankfully, the retaining wall turned out pretty well, I think. I do say so myself. Thankfully, there's things like spirit levels and things that keep it straight. But you know, the Word of God is our standard for testing everything that claims to be true. It's a safeguard against false teaching, and it's a source of guidance for how we're to live. And often we can hear something. We can hear some teaching. We can read a blog. We can read something in a book. We can hear something on the news. Whatever it is, we can hear something that sounds good, that, that feels good even. Yeah, this is tickling my fancy. A little bit. And we can grab hold of it. Well, let me encourage us this morning. We need to be weighing it up against the Bible. Because all scripture is breathed out by God. It's useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. My boys love listening to Colin Buchanan. I'm sure many with kids or have had little kids grow up will know. I mean, he's fantastic. I love him as a, 
as a songwriter, he's great. He takes biblical truths and theological mysteries and puts them in a song in a way that you know little kids and big kids can understand. It's fantastic and brings such joy to my heart to see you know, my, my little boys singing songs about God's Word and who Jesus is and what He's done. In fact, our youngest, he's got this thing that whatever reason, for whatever reason, you put him in a trolley at the shops, at Woolies or at Aldi's or anything like that, and he just starts singing these Colin songs. He starts singing, or others as well, like Jesus Loves Me, or he sings, you know, his favorites, Baba Do Baba, We All Like Sheep Have Gone Astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So he's singing this in the shops. People look at him and, uh, you know, they smile and say, yes, do you need salvation? You know, he's singing about how you've gone astray. No, just kidding. But there's a song on, on a CD, and it's, it's a song that talks about hold it up to the Bible. Is it good? Is it wise? Is it danger in disguise? The words go, hold it up to the Bible, line it up to the Bible, let God's word be your guide. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he often warns against false doctrine in his writings, against false teaching, and he exhorts the readers to hold fast to what is true. So how do we know and recognize false doctrine? By knowing what is true and what is sound. You know, <clears throat> the experts on counterfeit currency, on counterfeit money, sorry, which is an issue around the world today, they don't study the fake to recognize the fake. They don't study the counterfeit money to know how to recognize the counterfeit money. I've got here some play money from my boy's uh, imagination creative blocks. It's a $20 note. Of course, Australian play money gives it away, but let just run with me with this. You know, if I'm looking at a $20 note, I don't look at this and go, okay, so to be able to recognize if it's fake or not. What do I do? I take out a real $20 note and I look it up, I hold it up to the light, all the watermarks and things, and then straight away I go, oh, of course this isn't real. Of course this isn't real. The experts in counterfeit currency and counterfeit money, they study the real deal to be able to recognize the fake, to recognize the counterfeit. And I think that there's something in that for us, in our lives of faith. You know, we need to be a people who know the real deal, who know the truth, so that when those things come that perhaps, are, you know, they might feel good, they might sound good, but they're danger in disguise, as the Colin song says. We can hold it up to the Bible. We know what is true and what is right and can recognize the lies of the enemy, the things that aren't true, false doctrine, things like that. <clears throat> His word is our standard. We need to know the truth contained in its pages. Finally this morning, and I'll bring, bring it to a close. His word equips us. His word equips us. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What a wonderful promise that is. You know, I really believe that if we want to fulfill the great commission that Jesus has given us, if we want to walk in the plans and the purposes he has for us, to genuinely follow Jesus, to know what it is to live for him, to know what it is to live pleasing to him, and his word equips us through the power of the Holy Spirit for every good 
work. And as we, as we grab hold of his word and as, as, we, as it takes root in our lives, you know, knowing his word is not meant to be a selfish thing. God's word is powerful, but it's not meant to just transform us so that we feel good about ourselves or that we can somehow remember heaps and heaps of scripture verses. Although those things are remembering scripture is good, of course. But you know, the power of God's word transforms us so that it will and, and should move us to action. To do the work that God has called us to do. To live out the lives that he's called us to live. To be doers of his word. You know, he's equipped us for every good work. And that word, equipped, it literally means to fit out or to thoroughly furnish. That's this, this picture of what it is. And if we think again of a building example, say a shopfront fit out or a house that gets built and, you know, it's not just left with empty or bare bones. It's fitted out. It's fully furnished so that the shop or the house or whatever has everything in it that you need to be able to live or conduct business or whatever it might be. It's the same for us. We're not just left, not just given the get bare bones, an empty shell and the rest is up to us, but we have been thoroughly furnished, the Bible says. Fitted out with everything we need for everything that God calls us to do. For every good work. Through the power of God's word as we grab hold of it and allow it to have its full effect in our lives. You know, there are so many great books out there. There are so many good things, blogs and articles and things online. Podcasts, all that kind of thing. All of these are good. Don't get me wrong. They have their place. But the Word of God needs to have its rightful place in our lives. You know, it says in the book of Acts several times, actually, this wonderful phrase that the Word of God continued to increase and prevail mightily in a region or whatever. And many would come to know Jesus. The Word of God continued to increase and prevail mightily. I don't know about you, but I want to see the Word of God continue to increase and prevail mightily in my own life, in our church, in this city, and beyond. That the Word of God would increase and prevail mightily. So this morning, as for you, as for you, will you continue in what you've learned and believed? We continue to build your life upon the firm foundation of His Word. Will you respond to the invitation this morning to be a person of His Word? Knowing that His Word is powerful to lead us, to strengthen us, to point us to Jesus, and to equip us for every good work. And this morning, you know, maybe it's a, a, a dusting off of the Word. You know, they look great on the bedside, but they're not just meant to stay on the bedside table or on the shelf. Bibles are meant to be read to allow God to speak to us and lead us. Perhaps it's that. Perhaps it's inviting the Holy Spirit to breathe fresh life again as you read, as you open up His Word. Perhaps it's asking God, Lord, show me. Show me those areas. Show me those things. Lord, remind me of those promises from Your Word so that I can build my life upon them. 
There is power in God's word. To change, to transform, to teach us how to live and to equip us for every good work. So let's be a people that don't just hear that and kind of go from here, oh, that was great, but actually grab hold of it and put it into practice in our lives. Amen. Amen. I'd love to just invite you to stand this morning. Beth, would you be happy to just come play? Thanks. <laughs> Lord, we just give you thanks and praise today. We give you thanks and praise for who you are. Lord, for all that you've been doing in our midst this morning. Lord, for your word. Thank you that it is truth, that it is powerful, that it is alive, living and active. That it is breathed out by you, God. And it is useful for us, Lord, in every single area of our lives, Lord God. I thank you for the way that it, it reveals Jesus, Lord. I thank you for the, the promises that we find in your word. I pray that we would be a people of your word, Lord God. Thank you that we're not called just to live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from your mouth, Lord God. It feeds and nourishes our souls, Lord. So I pray that you would stir in each of our hearts a fresh passion for you, Lord, but for your word, Lord God, to open up Scripture and allow you to speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord. Where it's been tough chewing for any of us here, Lord, I, I just pray that you would release a fresh grace for us, Lord. And where it's not perhaps been a part of our lives, Lord, I pray that you would just stir our hearts afresh today. To open it up and watch what you do, Lord. I bless each and every person here this morning with just a continued awareness and release of your presence and your power, Lord, of your joy and your hope. Just an awareness of your goodness, Lord God. Thank you that we've been able to gather this morning as your people. And until next time we do that, keep us and bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.